trust, understanding and knowing the needs of the other. That's the secret of a strong relationship in life, but also in business. And that's what this episode of More Podcast is all about. The professional management of the trusting relationships with our customers, supported by tailor-made offers and database knowledge. It's about the future of wholesale and you are part of it. So listen up. Let's go. A quick visit every few weeks or a shopping voucher from time to time is no longer enough to build a trusting relationship with our customers because our partnership with them needs to be maintained with heart and passion and above all, it needs to be managed professionally. How we provide personal and data-driven support to our customers and how this benefits them and Metro is explained in this episode of More Podcast, Wholesale to the Max. And I welcome you to this very warmly. I am Bernd Roger from Metro AG's internal communications department and I'm responsible for providing you with a better understanding of Metro's strategy via this podcast. My guest today knows how to bring boring data into offers that are perfectly tailored to the needs of our customers and thus fill the toolbox of our Salesforce colleagues for their daily work. He has been with Metro for six years now and for the last one and a half years he has been responsible for our customer relationship management. Hello and welcome, Tino Helters. Well, hello and thanks for having me. <laughs> Great that you are here, Tino. When you are waiting in line at the checkout when shopping at Metro, do you sometimes analyze the customers standing in front of you and also what they are buying? Yes, I do. I mean, most of the time, just like anybody else, I guess I get a little annoyed when I have to wait too long. But then, of course, that uh, professional um, view uh, comes through. And yes, then I do think about all the data that customers are leaving when they're buying with us, um, what we can do with it. And that is still part of my, my thinking, uh, why I still, of course, hope that it goes as fast as possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, waiting at the checkout at Metro's is another topic, not for today and this podcast. Yeah, Tino, um, I really guess that you're probably the person at Metro who knows the most about our customers and how they behave. Today, you are going to tell us more about that, about the data and KPIs you collect and process, the conclusions you draw from it, and how it helps us to provide our customers with the best possible support for their business. But as always on more podcasts, we also want to get some data from you personally, Tino. As usual, in the middle of this episode, there's our little questionnaire, what scores for you? And of course, the best part comes at the end, our sound souvenir, or better, your sound souvenir, the sound of something that inspires you, motivates you, or just makes you happy. Tino, let's start with how we actively manage the relationship with our customers. What does that actually mean? What is your definition of CRM at Metro? That's a really good question. Uh, and back when we uh, started on this journey um, to refocus our efforts on CRM, we didn't even have that definition. Uh, and uh, lots of different people in our countries, uh, in the headquarter, everybody had a different understanding of CRM. Uh, so let me try with the definition. Uh, starting from all the different touch points that Metro actually has with their customers. And you mentioned one, uh, the 
the checkout uh, systems where, of course, um, customers come to our stores and leave lots of uh, data or a large data trail when they uh, go through it. Uh, they also go to our website, they uh, use the app, they get a delivery from the driver even, right? So mm -hmm. all of these are different touch points where we gather data. And then the joint definition that we came up with as a CRM team is that, and now it's a little technical definition, huh? but CRM is the approach, including processes, tools, and importantly, mindset of improving customer experience across all touch points and throughout a customer's lifetime. So... In the end, uh, summarizing that, what we are trying to do is to bring all these touch points together and instead of firing individual messages across all these individual touch points to have one dedicated message towards our customers. Yeah, and maybe you can tell us also uh, more about how this mission statement is implemented here at Metro. So what are the concrete benefits for CRM for Metro's business? Maybe you have one or two examples. Sure, of course. So let me first explain how CRM works in a little bit more detail. Mm -hmm. Apart from the mission statement, um, what is actually the flow of data, let's say, from uh, being gathered to actually being used. And how that works is that, first of all, we are collecting all the data that we have across these touch points in a so-called CDP, short for Customer Data Platform. And it's mm -hmm. essentially um, a state-of-the-art solution that uh, many companies apply in this area to gather all that data in one place. And what we're gathering is customer master data. We are gathering behavioral data from the customers. So what websites did they actually visit? How was the sales conversation? And we're gathering, of course, transactional data. So, well, the actual purchases that our customers made with us. And there's tons of other stuff out there, all going into one backbone. Then on top of that, you have a data analytics layer. Basically, what happens is that with all this data, of course, we can do, uh, and we have a data science team uh, to support us with that, uh, we can do lots of uh, clever data insights like product recommendations. Everybody knows that from any sort of online shop or from the M shop as well. Um, other customers also bought or also interesting for you and you see some products next to that. We also have, for example, a prediction of churners. Right? So all of these are data analytics that then run on uh, that customer data platform. And then the last step is, of course, to use these data-driven insights and analytics in our output channels. So if you have identified a certain product or a potential churning customer, you can send the customer an email, you can send a Salesforce person to talk to them if they are a high-value customer, uh, or you can send them push notifications in the app or a message on our website. Uh, and then steering basically all these outputs and orchestrating that to some degree, uh, that is then what CRM is all about. And with that, I think, uh, coming back to your question, what are the benefits um, of, of, of CRM at Metro? Well, I think that already becomes tangible there. Uh, you, instead of firing individual messages that maybe don't even fit to each other, we can have a more concise message to track the customer um, and target them uh, with the old adage of, Uh, the right message at the right time, at the mm -hmm. right place, in the right channel. Um, and that's essentially uh, what it does. Yeah, this is something which is very familiar with me um, as a communication guy. Uh, the right message to the right people at the right time. So you and your team collect all kind of data, or as you say, KPIs from our customers as the basis for customer relationship management. What kind of data is it? Where does it come from? What we gather is, for example, customer master data. So that means, uh, for example, a customer's email address, their physical address, their name, and I think about 200 other attributes that we would count as a customer master data. And we're collecting that for 
all of our customers and um, that 16 million actually that we have at Metro. So 16 million that are actually actively buying with us. Of course, our database is even larger than that, but that's just the amount of active buying customers that we gather this master data for. Additionally, we have behavioral data. So as I mentioned, what pages did the customer visit on our websites? And that's, by the way, 15 million visits uh, of our websites a month. Or it could also be an offline uh, behavioral data point, like, for example, a Salesforce visit that has happened. And unfortunately, for now, we're just tracking that. We don't necessarily track the content of that, uh, because there's, of course, a trade-off between the Salesforce person's time logging all these actions versus the insight that we can get from it. Of course, as the data guy, I would always ask for more. Um, but there is a large uh, uh, number of those that we have. So 50,000 Salesforce contacts daily that we have. And wow. you can imagine that also yields a vast amount of data. And then uh, lastly, transactional data. So we have about 12 million store purchases and 800,000 deliveries per month. And uh, being Metro, every customer then needs to register with us so we can allocate each of these purchases to the individual customer, which mm -hmm. from a data perspective is a great asset that we have. And all of that data uh, is something that we then pull together in one place. And there's more out there, right? But yeah. these are the three main sources of data that yeah. we have on our customers. So a huge amount of yes, data definitely. that you're gathering on a daily basis, on a monthly basis. So what can we learn from those data? We can learn plenty of things, um, and that makes it exciting. Uh, coming back to your intro, I, I still have it ringing in my ears a little bit. You mentioned boring data. Well, I would see that differently um, because, seriously, there is so much uh, we can do with that. So um, I mentioned also the, the old uh, marketing saying of the right product, right customer, right time, right channel. Um, oftentimes, the right timing is actually very difficult in that saying. But let's just play through one example of um, what we can learn from it. So I mentioned before that we have uh, a potential churning customer. So potential churner, meaning we're not just looking at a customer who hasn't bought in three months. Uh, that's easy. Then, But then you've already probably lost the customer or at least lost three months of sales. Yeah. What we're trying to do is we predict a potential churning customer. With that insight, we, of course, want to actually target that customer. So the next step of segmentation that we would do is to look if the customer has actually an email marketing permission. Then what we can do is we can uh, message the customer with benefits that fit their individual behavior. So, for example, if they bought uh, a certain non-food article in the past, we could pitch Metro Markets to rebuy the article there. If they then respond to the email and open it and buy, of course, that's great. And the journey might even stop yeah. there. Then you know the customer is not... Exactly. Lost. Then we know they are not <laughs> lost. Uh, they come back um, and then all is well. Yeah. Um, but if an email was ineffective or maybe two were ineffective, we can go towards other channels. Like, for example, WhatsApp messages, like we are now trying, uh, for example, in a German uh, admittedly local initiative. But what we can do then is send them more on that channel. And then uh, if they reply, well, they get more messages uh, on that specific channel. Uh, if they don't, well, we can analyze, are they actually a high potential customer or not? And if they are a high potential customer, it's certainly worthwhile to actually send a Salesforce person mm. or try the most uh, expensive, uh, but still out there, uh, marketing channel, which is Postal. Right? Yeah. So we are reducing Postal, but uh, then again, in very individual circumstances like that, it might still be relevant to target the customer. So what you can get from that example is that essentially what's behind that is a decision tree. Um, and any uh, what we call use case like that, so any 
um, way in which you would use that data, you start out or restart out with a relatively simple decision tree. And over time, then these decision trees and actions become more and more complex until you're really at the point to target customers very, very uh, individually uh, based on all the data they have left across your channels. Yeah, so you are not only on customer group level, but more and more. And I think this is also the target and the best case option to have this on a very individual level. Exactly. And if you would summarize all the known characteristics and attributes Of, of our customers into maybe one person. What does this customer look like? For example, what does he or she buy and, and how often? So what is the, the common customer at Metro? Of course. What person is it? There's now, of course, uh, many attributes that you could uh, look at. Let's try the example of a Spanish customer. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so in Spain, we have 4.9 million cardholders, actually. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, only 1.4 million of those have actually bought in the last 12 months. Mm -hmm. So if we're being honest, our average card holder is actually inactive. <laughs> so, but uh, let's, let's move away from that unfortunate fact. Now, of course, there is a large case in activating as many of these card holders as possible. And yeah. we have dedicated campaigns to do that. But let's, for the sake of it, focus on, these, uh, on one of these 1.4 million actually actively buying um, card holders with us. And if we zoom in on them, um, what we see is that 70% of those are male, 30 are female. Mm -hmm. We see that most of them, or the biggest group of them, are actually even in Spain SEOs. If we would look at Horikas, then it's a traditional restaurant customer. But yeah. if you're just looking at the average, uh, then it would be an SEO customer. This person, uh, as I said, male, yeah. is on average 49 years old. Uh, but an okay. interesting fact uh, while looking at the data is that if the customer is also buying at Metro Markets or if he's using the Companion, uh, so our app, yeah. the average age is only 45. Ah. So um, the... Customers using the digital uh, channels are about five years younger. Yeah. As, as would the cliche say, but it's actually something we also see Interesting. in Interesting, yeah. And uh, another statistic, and this one I think also a very unfortunate one that we should do something about, is that only 2% of our cardholders are actually under 30. Uh -huh. So definitely a potential there to target younger ones. Yeah. The average spend of an active cardholder, uh, if we consider Horeca traders and STOs, mm -hmm. is just 2,000 euros with an average of 10 purchases a year. For Horeca's, the average yearly spend is 5,000 euros with an average of 19 visits, mm -hmm. which is better, right? But are we really relevant then for this Horeca customer, right? Like usually any place will make 50,000 and upwards in uh, spending volume. I have a friend who actually owns a food truck and... Well, he was already at 35K uh, yeah. a year that he uh, spent at Metro. So if you then see 5,000 euros of average spend for a Horeca, that's clearly too low. And mm. it indicates something that we see throughout all of our data that we have, unfortunately, a low share of wallet. And that's also where score is going with uh, very actively tracking frequent customers, meaning our customers buying 11 out of 13 weeks um, to really make the point of focusing on those Horeca customers that buy with us very repetitively. We are their main supplier for their business in everyday life. And something, of course, that we also took over in our campaigns to really increase um, that frequency and bring as many customers as possible to be their main supplier and be frequent customers. Yeah, that also brings me back to my first question, which is what is the benefit for Metro from all these data and what you can see from it that it shows a large potential 
that we have in our business, right? Oh, yes, it definitely does. And if we now get a little more concrete on the campaigns that we are actually running in our CRM scope, we can see that we have basically campaigns covering the entire customer lifecycle of a Metro customer. So we're starting with an onboarding campaign to get a customer to buy as quickly with us after registration as possible. We also have a campaign to drive multi-channel conversion of our customers yeah. because they make about 10 times as many sales yeah. as a mono-channel customer. So we have a campaign that's dedicated towards converting customers from mostly cash and carry to other channels like FSD or Metro Markets. We have a cross and upsell campaign, which is essentially about product recommendations. So very targeted on the individual customer. And these, these are one-to-one -one personalized for that specific customer. Yeah. What are the products that are interesting for them? Um, and then lastly, we have two campaigns covering the later parts of the life cycle. So one targeting potential churning customers. That's the example that I had in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and ideally before they churn. And the last one is, well, if we were unsuccessful with preventing churn, uh, then we try to reactivate customers. Yeah. And that's one that's especially important because if we look at our uh, database, we can see that lots of customers are actually inactive, like I was mentioning. Um, and with these five campaigns, we basically cover the whole life cycle of a customer and we have dedicated communication to target them at whatever stage of their journey with Metro uh, they are in. Tino. You have already told so much about our customers and we know already so much now about them. But now it's your turn, Tino, because we also want to know more about you. And to do that, there's my little questionnaire in the section, what scores for you, which is about what is important to you and what you would like to achieve. So, Tino, I'm asking you if you are ready for this. Yes, I am. <laughs> okay, so let's get started. Here is the first question. Tino, what scores for you means what special strengths do you have? Whew, so as a German, it's always a little weird to talk about your strength. We are always usually very much focused on improvement potential. Um, but if I would have to say something, I think it's pragmatism. Um, we, I think, tend to, uh, in Metro, over-design things and we want to always come with a perfect solution um, right from the start. But what that also does is it makes us slow. Mm. And I think a lot of pragmatism and really applying 8020 uh, is something that benefits us a, a lot in this field, especially if we are now restarting an initiative uh, like CUM on that scale. For that matter, uh, also my favorite uh, fundamental is actually speed matters and results count. Yeah. Uh, because I think um, I'm usually a very outcome-oriented person and also trying to drive the whole initiative uh, in, in that manner. Yeah. Is this also something which is true for your private life? It is, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, it comes a little bit with uh, impatience uh, as well, uh, sometimes to the joy, sometimes to the despair of my wife. Uh, <laughs> but for example, when we were getting a new table and she was still thinking about uh, how do we get it out of the car, let's invite people over, how do we do this? I was already dragging it over the floor and just doing it. <laughs> um, and in this case, it actually worked. But yes, uh, also in private life, that very much applies, yes. Okay. Do you know what small or big goals have you set for yourself? Well, in the professional world, uh, I've definitely set the goal to bring CRM use cases into practice um, within a year. Not just me. Fortunately, all of the team behind it is super passionate about bringing this to life. We don't want to create a paper tiger or a theoretical construct. In the end, what really matters is that we 
have campaigns live in the countries uh, delivering results. Mm. And that's what I'm really passionate about to always, and goes together with the pragmatism from your previous question, to always get things on the road uh, and delivering results as soon as possible. Yeah. What's your way of achieving it? Well, <laughs> and again, I, I come back to that, but pragmatism is actually a big one. Mm -hmm. um, that's just me. I uh, try to, and I think I usually do bring a lot of energy to that topic, but of course I'm not in this alone. So I have the great fortune of having a very motivated competence team uh, behind me working on CRM. And for those who are not familiar with the competence team setup, because I think it's still relatively new to Metro, it's essentially that you have stakeholders from the corporate world, like myself and my team, as well as Metro Digital colleagues working on CRM, but then importantly, our country colleagues uh, working on CRM topics or a selection of four countries. In our case, it's Germany, Spain, France, and Romania that are working with us on this topic. So in this group of about, I would say, 15 people, I also try to always advocate for the pragmatic solution for an MVP, so minimum viable product, something that we can get on the road quickly and then improve from there. Mm -hmm. And to always drive everybody towards risking something yeah. um, and uh, trying things out and quickly changing and adapting and learning from it. Yeah, and when your target is to bringing CRM to life within one year, what milestones do you use to measure your progress? So how do you judge your success? Well, for now, we literally just track how many use case country instances we've activated. So we are very much in the rollout. So we just pretty much count how many use cases do we have live across countries. And beyond all these figures, is there something where you see, okay, things are going on, we are moving, things are better now than yesterday? Yes, especially when we look at the mindset with which we approach the topic. So I mentioned before the pragmatism that I try to bring uh, into this system. And uh, looking at Metro, I think we had the tendency for a long time to try to be perfect. Um, mm. And I can really see a large mindset shift that we are achieving there. Because doing that over time and uh, trying to be pragmatic and then seeing positive results from that encourages everybody that we are not doomed if we are not having the perfect solution. Mm. And the more you do that, the more you tr uh, practice that muscle, um, the more we get familiar with it, to some degree we even lose the fear of it. And I think this mindset progression uh, that I've seen here, honestly, not just within CRM, I think is generally um, shifting at Metro also in line with the fundamentals that we have. is something very positive that, uh, that I see. Yeah, okay. So, Tino, now we know what is important for you in business, but also in life, what scores for you. And now we are very curious about your sound souvenir, the sound of your core. And that's why we are already listening to a very short piece of it. Here it is. Okay, once again. Hmm, that sounds interesting. We will listen to it in full and you, Tino, will tell us your story about it. But as always, at the end of this episode. Let's come back to CRM and how we as Metro specifically benefit from the collected data. For example, Tino, how does our Salesforce, and you just mentioned a few examples regarding that topic. So how does our Salesforce colleagues benefit from CRM when they are working with our customers? Sure. So 
in the data flow from gathering towards actually using it with our customers, uh, I mentioned that data analytics layer in the middle. So if we have a product recommendation or potential turner, yes, what we can do is send the customer an email about it, but still our sales force, uh, I think we're at eight and a half thousand uh, people out there in the field now, uh, can of course benefit from those same data insights. So if we have the example of a potential turner, if it's a low potential customer, of course, Salesforce time is valuable. Those would get an email. But if it's actually a high potential customer, somebody that's managed by the Salesforce, then we would definitely forward that insight to the Salesforce so they can have an actual in-person conversation with the customer. Mm -hmm. And that basically, that same logic works across all the use cases that I mentioned. So we can have a potential churner, a good reactivation candidate, somebody to be onboarded. Uh, and that is, in many cases, fortunately already happening. Um, a good product recommendation or multi-channel pitch in the end uh, asking the customer hey metro markets would be quite good for you why don't you try out maybe even the specific products for metro market all of these data insights that we have um, the salesforce is an important output channel but of course you need to be selective in when you use that because salesforce time is valuable their attention time is very valuable mm. and you really need to prioritize but in the end it's those same data analytics that we can also use for the one-to-one -one communication Yeah, as someone who deals with communication professionally like me, um, what's very interesting is what new ways of communicating with our customers are you exploring? You already mentioned the WhatsApp channels, which is quite new. So as I said, pragmatism first. The most used channel that we currently have is still email. So uh, our initial version of our use cases is email-based. Mm -hmm. That being said, of course, there's great demand to Uh, extend that uh, and the next two that we are looking at is sms and whatsapp uh, uh, because we've seen uh, quite some good initial results from testing that and what that can look like is that either for example you would get as just as an example two emails first and if that didn't work well the next alternative is to send you sms and whatsapp mm -hmm. or there's also customers out there who did not consent to getting any emails from us and then what you can do is select A different channel because they might be uh, willing to receive um, SMS or WhatsApp and then you have a dedicated standalone campaign that would target customers only through that. Yeah. Um, what everyone is talking about in all sectors and in all industries uh, at the moment is artificial intelligence. To what extent are you or we as Matthew already using AI to analyze or automate processes for CRM? Yeah, it's definitely a hot topic and it does have many, many use cases. So, for example, you can, of course, create marketing messages directly. You can also do something more concrete, like, for example, uh, create image descriptions using AI. So you have an existing image and then you create a text about it, which you can then use um, in our communication. So if you imagine our assortment, how, how large that is, if we display these images online, You can't manually write descriptions for all of these, uh, so you need some some automated help with that. Um, and you can improve your master data in the end with that. Yeah. So all of these use cases are out there, and we are having many ideation and exploration sessions on that, on what we could use. That being said, none of these more fancy use cases are in practice yet. Uh, what we do have is a little bit of machine learning and clever algorithms. So, for example, our product recommender, it actually learns from what customers in the end um, bought and if they reacted on a recommendation. Um, so there is quite some 
knowledge uh, that we have in terms of data science. But if you think about these like fancy AI use cases that you've seen out there, mm. uh, we don't have that yet. Uh, that being said, with the CDP that I mentioned in the beginning, this customer data platform, we have the right prerequisites now put in place so that we can more easily work on these uh, use cases as well in the future, which wasn't the case a year past. Yeah, so AI is something more for the future for your work. Yes. Um, coming back to the present, currently you are implementing Metro's CRM, also in cooperation with the countries. Why are there still problems? What hurdles are there for the implementation of CRM? Of course, on a journey like that and a big project like that, there's always hurdles. Uh, I think one of that just comes from the complexity and scale of the project. If you're trying to roll out automated and personalized communication across our 20 plus countries, I mean, that's just in itself a large scale project. Um, and of course, there is always risks that come with that. Um, essentially, we are changing the entire way we communicate with our customers. Even more important than that is, I think, to further progress on the mindset. As I said, we are changing the entire way we communicate with customers. Also from a marketing person sitting in a country and basically manually designing a campaign, writing a text by hand, mm. selecting a nice image and pressing the send button mm. towards trusting a machine to some degree to do that for you, to pull the right customers, to tell you about the content that should be communicated and to actually trusting that that's of course still a large mindset shift that we also have on the, uh, yeah. on, the on the radar and yeah then lastly it's in how we work getting even more towards 80 20 speed matters um, and then gaining speed during that whole transformation because yeah. there's still even beyond those five initial use cases that we decided upon to roll out first so much potential and so much cool stuff out there that we can do with tons of benefit behind it and the quicker we are the sooner we can do even more yeah yeah and on that journey what what's next for crm so what are the next big steps Well, the next big step uh, that we still have right in front of our noses is to continue on the rollout of these use cases. So we have an onboarding use case live. Uh, we are currently in the midst of the next two use cases, which are the multi-channel use case and uh, the cross and upsell use case, which are supposed to go live in February and March, respectively. And then afterwards, we start right away on the next ones, being churn prevention and reactivation, which are coming in May and June. So a very tight timeline that we have um, and... Uh, rollout is definitely one of the big things still uh, on the agenda and then afterwards we'll be able to tackle more fancy and complex and elaborate customer journeys covering even more touch points like you asked about sms and whatsapp before and get even better on one-to-one -one personalization of these messages and grow the decision tree that i was describing for each of the use cases Hey colleagues, it's the highlight at Metro AG, the closing of our financial year. For me and my fellow colleagues at Corporate Communications, an exciting and very busy time. Our main focus is the preparation of the annual report, which my colleagues do with great dedication and care. At the same time, we are publishing the latest issue of our Ampulse magazine. Once again, a vibrant mix of fascinating stories, valuable information and impressive pictures. Another focus is on Metro AG's annual press conference, followed by the more update town hall meeting. Here, the management board not only presents the latest figures, but also the most important progress in our score strategy. 
In addition, our social media channels feature curated content to ensure that our community followers get the best information. And I recently conducted a More Talk video interview with our CEO, Steffen Greubel. We reflected on the past year and looked ahead to the future and also talked about our personal fundamental moments over the past few months. I highly recommend it because it was really a great conversation. As you can see, there's a lot of communication going on, everything your heart desires. For me personally, it's great to work with my colleagues to put a face to Metro and show what our company stands for. All media related to Metro's financial statements can be found soon on United, which is also linked in the show notes of this episode. So, Tino, that brings us to the end of this episode of More Podcasts. But of course, I won't let you go until you've presented us your sound souvenir. You have it with you, recorded with your smartphone and we've already listened to a tiny snippet of it but now we're going to listen to it again in full and curious to hear what might it be and what you will tell us about it so let's hear Tino what sound did you bring so this is actually a children's toy Okay. Uh, for very small children specifically. So as anybody who works with me or meets me on a regular basis will know, I have a one-year-old daughter. Yeah. And it's one of the great joys that I have um, after coming home from a work day at Metro uh, to sit down with my daughter and uh, play stuff like that. Yeah. Um, uh, it was just such a, a memorable moment and uh, one of many still to come uh, that yeah, I made it my salt bite. Yeah, great, great. What a great sound and what a nice story behind it. Congrats to your great daughter. Thank you. First of all, and thank you above all, of course, also on behalf of the colleagues out there for all the interesting information about yourself and your family and also about customer relationship management at Metro. Thanks again and all the best to you, Tino. Well, again, thank you for having me. It was really a pleasure. <laughs> And dear Metro colleagues out there, thanks also to you for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of More Podcast. And please check out the previous episodes as well. You can find them on United and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to it and recommend More Podcast to all your colleagues. Looking forward to the next episode. Bye-bye and take care. <music>